The best thing I can do for my friend Nick is to make sure my audio is pristine. <laughs> oh, I'm going to leave that in. Your hair is oh. getting just, it's its luscious, it's long, it's receding, it's its the big three. <laughs> the three R's. <laughs> Rushes? No. Oh, yeah, um, let's, let's back, back away. Elephant in the room. Mm. Are you drinking beer already? That's five o'clock somewhere. It, it, it's literally <laughs> five. It's literally in New Zealand. Yeah. It's not five o'clock for me, so I've got a giant Barocca. Hey, some of us start early. 5.30 on a Monday. You're a, you're a regular Johnny Depp. I'm a... No, um, I don't want to be him. <laughs> he's suing Amber Heard for La Salmane now. For what? About that. For the breakup. Yeah, for basically for defamation. Oh. But hasn't uh, I don't I have, don't follow a celebrity in the way that you do, which is an interesting <laughs> don't put that which on is me. an interesting least... character of our friendship. It's that I'm the gay one that's completely uninterested <laughs> in the lives of celebrities, and you're the one who texts me being like, "Did you see that Amber Heard is suing Johnny Depp?" I know, and I host Oscars parties <laughs> as well. <laughs> you do. Um, no, so so what? They broke up. He he, he was like abusive. And now yeah. that no- that news came out, and so he's suing her for that getting out. She's he's suing her for telling everyone for do- basically dobbing on him to the world. <laughs> okay, that okay, he okay, don't him. call it dobbing on. <laughs> yeah, well, she did. <laughs> she she, she ratted, like, s- um, spit like a, um, a a wad of paper through a straw at him in the back of the classroom. Um. In a way, she did. You could, <laughs> that could be a metaphor for what she did. Okay, but and I, I'm not. I'm not actually that on top of all of the Johnny Depp news. But oh yeah, yeah, play it down. I'm just yeah. letting you know that's what's happening. Okay. Also, I was thinking this the other day. Giant elephant in the room here, Nick. So many elephants in this room today. Massive. It's basically a zoo. <laughs> uh, you never like my Instagram posts. I'm not on Instagram. <laughs> I don't. I don't use Instagram. I just. I, it, it's like probably my least used social app. I don't. I don't ever open it. Third of February. Uh huh. Third of February. And when is it now? Oh, what's that? What's that red? What's that red heart? Oh, it looks like someone liked it on yeah. your phone. And I'm logged into my account. Uh, Michael has found a post from me, which I put up six weeks ago. And now, now open up my profile again. Scroll back and show me the last photo before that, Michael. Tell me the date of the the, the previous nineteenth of December. Okay, so you post like once a month. That's if that's less than once a month. Well, I'm just saying. Uh-huh. It wouldn't hurt you to just jump on there. Okay, throw me a couple of likes every. Now excuse and then. me, excuse me, listeners. I'm just going to open Instagram now and just go through Michael's timeline and just like every photo of his. Well, don't no, don't do every. No, photo you've committed now, look like Michael. Spam. I know as it's a friend like that spam. this is what you're asking of me, and I'll go through Rand- it and I'll like every photo. Oh, look at that! Some kind of travel. Can thing you at least randomize it? Oh, it's the beach house concert. Let me like that one. Oh, okay, one. three people I don't recognize liked. Okay, <laughs> someone's getting some fish and chips liked. Oh, this is just all likes. classics. Fuck it. <laughs> it's still. Liked. It still feels good in my brain. I'm still getting the reward. Someone's of having a beer. Well, that's Emma. I've got to like her. Oh, oh walking in the suburbs. That's fun. Okay, Liked. well, that's enough. That's a photo that's of you just eating dinner in a lounge room. Better better like that so that Michael doesn't <laughs> kill himself. Oh, three people in bad shirts liked. 
Bat oh, we're at the we're at the beach. That? It's just a nice landscape. I could have used a filter, but that's all right. I'll just like it anyway because I don't have standards. <laughs> I don't expect better of friends. I just like what they say I should like willy nilly. Sorry for well, pushing I'm... you to be better. That escalated more than I thought it was going to. Well, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Welcome to Deep Ford, everybody. This is a podcast, and you know it's episode one one one. Welcome to the next one hundred. Triple one. Triple one. The big one. The big one. The big ones. The big. I wonder what episode will be our last. <laughs> okay, here's a separate thought, related but tangential. Every year, every calendar year, we live through the date of our death without knowing. Ah, oh, very nice. Yeah, like the the anniversary of our death. Yeah, the is a, one of the our days. upcoming anniversary. We've already all of us have already experienced the date on which we died. That's cool. I like that. Anyway, that's the kind of stuff we talk about in this podcast. <laughs> Sitting through the internet with me today, Michael Z and Michael. Sitting across from me, say hello, Nick. Hi, Nick. Hi. Whoa, oh, first one. It's, a, it's like a double time. team. It's a wrestling metaphor. Did it feel right? No, it, it didn't. I, I enjoyed it, actually. I felt. Did you? I felt welcomed, I felt included, and for the first time I felt like a true friend. We'll see if I remember next time. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Is that a Little Miss Sunshine shirt? Yeah, it is. Is it? Where'd you get that from? I got it years ago, but do you see who it is? The Mario characters. Oh, so close to being a good shirt. The Mario characters. Just had to pose as some Little Miss Sunshine thing. Classic combination of two things I love. The Nick Shadle oh, Spectacular. That's good. It's nice that you love them. But uh, why do you like Mario so much? It's just because of the nostalgia. Yeah, it's just, I mean, as characters, they don't really mean a great deal to me, but it is uh, like a Nintendo fandom thing, which I grew up with, and I just enjoyed the it's like the world. Of- it's yeah, a Disney kind of world. Yeah, thing. yeah. I, 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 like genuinely, I don't have. Uh, like you, you don't ever play Mario for a story, right? It's not like, oh yeah, that time that we beat Bowser was, you know, that's so good. That's going down in history. But it's just no. that kind of like you grew up with it, and it's like always reliable quality and like fun. Yeah. So it's just yeah, it's it's a it's a symbol for Nintendo as a whole more than it is an actual franchise that I care about. Right. I'm sure it won't surprise you to to know that I was more of a Crash Bandicoot guy. Yeah, I I do know that about you. Have you played the remake, though, is the big question. You could be playing brand new reversions Crash Bandicoot. They had an interesting uh, story, didn't they? Because they got bought out by someone else. So after the... Who did it initially? Uh, Vivendi? Naughty Dog? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yep. Um, well, good memory. God, how did you get that? Got, and I got that wrong. It's just because it's just because of the credits, like yeah. just hearing the credits. Yeah, but Naughty Dog um, are, are huge these days. Are they? Yeah, they're, what they're, do they do now. They're one of the premium sort of developers in the entire gaming sphere. They do Uncharted, which is their kind of Indiana Jones ripoff, and The Last of Us, and yeah, it, it's they're they're All a huge right. and very prestigious company. So, well, I do remember Crash Bandicoot getting bought and then remade by another company and the graphics were completely different and everyone was like nah this sucks and then i think they've gone back to the original developers and re done everything they they remade that yeah remade it with the same levels and stuff so they're great yeah i should do that but 
Yeah. It's a game's expensive these days. I've basically not bought a game since I was 16. Uh yeah, it depends when if you get it straight away. It would be probably like 100 bucks. But now if you were to yeah. go and get that reloaded um like that trilogy remake, um it would probably only be like 30, 40 bucks if you wanted to pick it up. It would And would you just download it from the store? Uh yeah, you could get it digitally or you could just go buy a disc. Is it cheaper to get it digital? I don't know. Probably in some instances, yeah. Okay. But you need a PlayStation well, good to know. 4. Yeah. I'm probably never going to do those things. Did I ever tell you about that that guy that my dad used to know who used to burn PlayStation games? <clears throat> no, this is presumably back in the PS2 era. PS... What's PS1? The, the, PS1 was different to P, the PlayStation original. Well... The PlayStation 1 was never called the PlayStation 1 at the start. It was just called the PlayStation because it was the first yeah. one. Um, yeah. But now it's like it's seen as the PS Classic or the yeah. PS, PS1. I, I'd never had a... I had an N64 was my first console. Um, yeah. So my friends were the ones that had the PlayStation. Um, right. And I can't remember if... I think there might have been like a... I think they might have like re-released that first one a couple of times in weird ways I, I can't remember they definitely had a ps1 but so anyway, there, were, there dad... was an original playstation and then they re-released what they called the ps1 right after that had come out um yeah yeah anyhow anyway there was this guy that my dad used to know my dad's had a lot of dodgy friends over the years um but this guy was he he used to burn playstation cds like he had a set up and he could like download the game that you wanted and he'd have a big he'd have like a five page maybe ten page list of all the games that you could possibly want and we just tick them off and my dad would just pay him for the blank discs which would be two (laughs) dollars right so they'd have a bit of glitch in there yeah and ben and i were you know we were obsessed with it the playstation when we were kids and for Christmas, I asked for... A, there was a, a couple of games that we wanted. One of them was Crash Team Racing. The other one was like Shane Warne Cricket or something. And so for Christmas, Dad didn't go to the store and, and buy them. He got his mate to burn us these discs. But meanwhile, he's actually still passing this off as Santa... So he's this is is giving you pirated PlayStation games, and this is like with nineteen ninety like six technology, right? Yeah. So the color printing's not great. (laughs) Also, it's a white disc with in texture Crash Team (laughs) Racing written on it. Yeah. And we're like, Dad, why did Santa give us bootleg discs? And he's just like, I don't know. I don't don't know. Maybe they had a shortage at the the North Pole. (laughs) They didn't have time to print the label on. Yeah, uh, for some reason they, the the discs also smelt like cigarettes. <laughs> don't know how that's even possible. Well, it's because he came down the chimney. I mean, you're just going to yeah, get okay. natural smoke. Okay. Yeah. I need to stop questioning. You need to stop questioning, Santa. This is all. <laughs> this is all valid. Well, uh, my big question is whether or not uh, this was for Ukrainian Christmas, which was the week after Christmas <laughs> as well, or whether this hit the target date of the 25th. It's cute that you know that. Um, I, we never really did the Ukrainian Christmas one. It was only like we'd get... Our parents would always do it on the actual date. Okay. And then 
So and yeah, you, you you hadn't been twice swindled by waiting a week and then getting the bootleg disc of, of a no. PlayStation. It was like, no. okay, we still had Christmas, Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of children getting things that they don't deserve, <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about child abuse. Cool. Uh, one of my better segues, I have to say. Um, it was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> there's been two sort of big stories in these past couple of weeks, um, which I thought it might be interesting Arguably to delve into. Arguably three. Sorry? Arguably three with R. Kelly as well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, let's bring it all in. Um, uh, famous famous faces are coming, uh, uh, oh, coming under the... Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear that. I apologize for fumbling over the sentence at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I will take a moment now to compose my thoughts and find the sentence and then deliver it without interruptions. Uh, famous faces are coming under fire for past uh, misbehaviour. Uh, most notably, George Pell, the uh, Australian-turned-Vatican-based uh, uh, archbishop. Uh, Michael Jackson, who had uh, a documentary, Finding Neverland, uh, just hit HBO last week. Leaving and... Neverland. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Finding Neverland is the other one. Isn't <laughs> Finding Neverland was Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, who, you know. There you go. Uh, all comes full circle. circle. Um, leaving Neverland, thank you. And R. Kelly as well for his... Uh, uh... It was another documentary, I think. Yeah, it was also, I mean, that sort of sizzled a bit. There was um, Sur- Surviving R. Kelly. Is that the series? Yeah. Surviving yeah. R. Kelly, which was, a, um, as you say, a documentary series that was then followed up by, uh, like, interviews and such in which R. Kelly has behaved kind of crazy. So where, where do we want to start with this, Michael? What, what's your, uh, uh, which, which, which do you want to dive into first? Well, I saw an interesting um, headline this morning, which I didn't actually read the article, but I think from the SNL that's just gone, um, Pete Davidson has done a bit on Weekend Update saying that that um, still being a Catholic is the same as, like, we you know this debate that's going around saying, should we ban, should we be playing R. Kelly's or Michael Jackson's music? Yeah. And he, I think he was arguing that just going to church now is is the same as you know supporting the catholic church in their crimes yeah um, i mean i don't want to retread too much art versus artist chat in this um discussion yeah. but okay. i think it's definitely um well let, let's start with george pell because that's i think that the the biggest uh uh, figure of the Catholic Church that has been directly implicated, not just in covering up scandals of child abuse, but uh, of perpetrating um, those acts himself. Um, right. And the, the aspect about this, George Pell, um, who's Australian and good buddy of Tony Abbott, who jumped in the firing line to defend his character, um, uh, had basically refused to come back for the Royal Commission into Child Abuse uh, to testify uh, from uh, where he's based in the Vatican and then had been subsequently sued um, by victims of his who alleged that um, he had abused them when they were kids. Um, 
And so basically he had just stayed out of the country in a place that couldn't extradite, wouldn't extradite him back to Australia to um, face off against his trials. But the, the yeah. notable element in it all was the court passed a media suppression order so that the news of this case and of his guilty verdict last year could not be reported in Australia. However, that didn't apply to international publications, so that information immediately got out and people heard about it at the end of last year. Um, But within Australia, that discussion was silenced and they weren't able to... uh, you know, bring to the attention of Australian readers and viewers the fact of this incredible verdict in a significant case. Um, do you have it any was sort really of, weird, wasn't it? Yeah. Do you have any sort of uh, thoughts? I mean, you're the one who's actually studied journalism. Do you have any thoughts on the uh, the stifling of the the speech issue here? How much you should balance the you know presumption of innocence and uh, you know preserve the character of someone who's in the process of a trial versus the public's right to know that it's ongoing and even to have found out what the verdict is. I'm not sure I know that the specific ins and outs or have been paying attention to specifically with George Pell with that. Mm. I like heard about that happening, but it is, um, it is, I don't know. I kind of do err on the side of you. I think it's better in a way to, to keep it out of um, the media because it's uh, people, especially in this day and age, people are, are making decisions completely without, without knowing anything or without um, with just by seeing, just by seeing a headline. I mean, I do, I do it all the time. As well. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you just literally said, <laughs> yeah, I know you've read that article. Uh, sorry. You read the headline, but not the article. I think it's incredibly dangerous, but then it also does lead back into this, uh, be- because the church is so tied in with the government, it makes it seem like they're in cahoots a little bit. I How mean, do you mean that they're tied in with the government? Do you mean that the MPs are Catholics I mean, that's, or that they're actual buddies. I bet it's probably it's probably a poor choice of words there. I mean, in terms of um, uh, more in terms of like the tax breaks that they get, and also how involved they are in politics. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it does seem like some back alley dealing. That's that's what it kind of that's what it kind of looks like. But neither the government nor the church are the courts in this instance. No. Yeah. They are not. The. Um, I think that the reason that this has been contested, and there were protests from the major media organisations in Australia last year when it was determined that they couldn't report the name of the accused because the the ban was not going to actually be practically effective. It made sense in an era in which the, the people of Australia could only get their news from Australian sources. But the fact that the Australian courts can only bind Australian corporations and media companies in an era where now there's the internet and foreign um, media meant that this information was out there. And we knew last October or November that George Pell had been um, accused and was going to go to court for uh, uh, this issue. Um, and so that, that information got out in American news sources and British news sources. 
and then right. Australians could still find out about it, you know? So it doesn't actually achieve preventing that information getting out. Um, so so what, what was the rationale then behind it? To stop the Australian media sources from reporting on it. But they basically said, well, why can't we report on it if everyone else in the world can report about it? And Australians can see that reporting. But, yeah, so 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 even further, why why are they wanting the media to not report on it? Well, I think for the valid reason that you had um, put forward, which is that, that issue of presumption of innocence and wanting to, when the trial was underway but not yet decided, um, to try and maintain the integrity of, of character of the person in, at issue um, due to his prominence in the Catholic Church um, as much as possible. But the upshot was it, it was kind of... It was ineffective. It couldn't be. It, it, I don't think a media ban can be effective in this era. Right. This is. Um, there's no jury though with this, is there? I'm not sure how this case was decided. I think there might have been a jury. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think there might. That would change things a little bit. In which sense? Uh, because you because it's having a direct impact on the outcome of the case. As in, if the jury. Uh, was hearing media coverage in Australia about it. Yes. Yeah, no, that's fair. Whereas, but, but those whereas juries if it's can just be... protecting the character of the person involved. They're what? They're... The in, not, the in, not necessarily integrity, but this, I don't know, is it, is it a safety measure as well? Yeah. Uh, the, so, A, there was a jury. Um, I've just confirmed okay. that. Um, B, for those kind of cases, they can sequester the jury so they are isolated from news coverage. That's, you know, within the realms of the court's powers to basically say, cool, you're going to stay in a hotel. Um, and then they they get locked away. Um, so yeah. there are there are mechanisms that they already use to, to counter that. Um, so this, is I think, was more in the eyes of the media publications affected by the ban, I think, about the public at large rather than the jurors. Okay. When I when I was when I was studying journalism, I actually went down to. We had a, a one of the subjects was court reporting, and oh, right. I went down to the courts, and there was a there was a high profile um, priest. I forget his name, but it was in the papers, and he was being um, he was being charged with uh, sex. What's the technical word? Sexual assault? Yes. Of a minor. Of minors. And um, I went down there and there was other... There was other media reporters there in the room. And they... (laughs) they, The lawyer then argued um, or asked the judge if the media could leave the room. And all the other reporters there... I mean, I... Wasn't I? Was never a reporter. I was just a uni student there. But I was there. I ticked the media box, and I was perfectly within my rights to do that. Yeah. But um, the other journalists there, they were like, they had obviously done it before, and they were like, well, we've got other stuff to do, so we'll just leave. We don't want to hold up proceedings. And I was just like, I'm not leaving. Yeah. And then they, it was, it was. He basically asked the judge, and then the judge asked him to present a case for why the media should not be present in the room. Yeah. Um, 
if if the media just didn't unless the media just agreed to leave the room which they did literally all did except for me yeah there was no real point of that story apart from to say that no it's just it was it interesting was a, being a part of that process a little bit yeah getting to see a little bit more on the inside um so uh december 11th Pell was found guilty of one count of sexual penetration of a child and four charges of committing indecent acts with or in the presence of a child. Um, so he was initially accused of covering up, and that was, and then that's led into his uh, own crimes. In 2013, Pell admitted that his church had covered up child sexual abuse for fear of scandal, that his predecessor, Archbishop Little, had destroyed records, moved pedophile priests from parish to parish, and facilitated appalling crimes. Um, Then, so all through this period in uh, 2010, 2011, 2012, Pell was saying he felt shock and shame. Uh, that the actions had been contrary to Christ's teaching and was deeply sorry and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> contrary uh, to Christ's teaching yeah. is the biggest understatement <laughs> ever. <laughs> this goes um, against most of what Jesus said to do. Yeah. His, um... <laughs> Jesus specifically told us not to fuck kids. <laughs> and that's and we did bad. anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then across all of those um, appearances, he was also subject to attention and criticism from people who were dissatisfied with the response and believed that he had, uh, you know, facilitated the uh, hiding of this information or the hiding of these priests. Um, so it sounds like, yeah, in sort of the five years leading up to his uh, removal to Vatican, um, he uh, he said he basically acknowledged mistakes and let people down, um, but that the instinct was to protect the church, and that some of the claims were dismissed in scandalous circumstances, and uh, effectively because he hadn't come down, come back to Australia for those um, hearings and things, uh, people started to really feel like his. Apologies and things were insincere. Yeah. But then, uh, I mean, the first allegation against him seems to have been in 2002. Um, yeah. And he had previously had um, court cases against him where they had not found him guilty. Um, and so this was, yeah, the most recent attempt. Well, not attempt, that's the wrong phrase. The recent, most recent issue that's come under... Um, media scrutiny because of a new court case. I've been having this debate with my dad for a few years and um, it seems pretty obvious to me that this epidemic of child sex abuse in the church has something to do with the fact that that you priests are required to take a vow of celibacy. And my dad completely disagrees with that. And he thinks that it's uh, he thinks that men that are predisposed to this already enter into the church. <clears throat> predisposed to uh, pedophilia. Okay. Um, it's probably it's probably a bit of both, but it it just seems so it just seems so obvious to me that it that that you're 
if you're blocking a certain natural impulse impulse that it's going to manifest itself in fucked up ways especially if you're you're in an institution that is um dominated by men um there's uh, there's probably some sort of immaturity there as well emotional or or um and emotional and sexual because a lot of these priests go enter into the yeah. brotherhood at a quite an early age as well yeah and they spend most of their time with other other men i mean the it seems like the inst- the framework and the environment there in that institution breeds is like a is like a it's like a pool for that sort of i mean sort of stuff there's there's so much nuance here that you need to we need to pick yeah. away at a little bit. I don't know that you can create a pedophile through circumstance. No, I I, 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 I isn't surely. I don't think that you could just grab someone off the street and force them into celibacy for a decade and then give them access to a child and they would do anything. No, I, I, it I, develops I over time. Well, man, look look at Michael Jackson. I mean, it's, you can see the, the, you can, it's almost, people are, they're not understanding, but they're like, there is a certain level of empathy that people have when they talk about Michael Jackson, even, even if they are acknowledging the fact that he probably, I mean, the other thing is he's, he's been acquitted of these charges. Yes. Um, So there's that, but. Even if you even if you acknowledge um, that Michael Jackson did do those things, people tend to have a certain level of a certain amount of empathy with him because they're like, oh, his father beat him and he's had never had a childhood and stuff. And but so I think that I think that him. that empathy is also transferable to within the Catholic Church. I, I think that that that, empa- that that's really just a positioning of how do you feel towards the 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 person or the the architecture of where they're from. Um, you know, I, I don't well, think that his... I don't think that the MJ apologists are necessarily too different to the Catholic Church apologists, like, in a, in a logical sense. Absolutely. But the Catholic Church is easier to hate, I think, because they're, they're the ones telling people how to live. And it's, and it's a multiple-person thing versus an individual. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, the, the, the... I mean, so... Yeah, I'm not sure that you can. I mean, it is an interesting question, and I, I don't, I'm, you know, welcoming and, and willing to listen to the to the uh, to you postulate about why this is. But the question of why has there been so much child abuse in the Catholic Church is a really interesting question, right? Is it if it, you have the angle of is pedophilia innate you know it is it like nature versus nurture in the same way that you know homosexuality we believe is a a born trait or you know at least beyond the control of of a a person right arguably hormonal or but you, you know you have twins i know twins um one of whom is gay and one of whom is straight you know same genetics same womb same time yeah one of them's yeah. gay, one of them isn't. You know, yeah. how to, there's an interesting nature versus nurture argument there. So yeah. you, you sort of have to filter that into this discussion of, okay, so 
someone here is, has abused a child, is that because they've always had a sexual impulse towards children? Or is it an opportunistic thing like you're describing where they've been celibate for so long that they it just kind of gets turned around and they express it in this fucked up way, this horrible way, you know? Yeah. That is interesting. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't it shake everything up if we discovered that people could be born pedophiles? Well, I mean, um, there are, and you have to know because, because we all, as a society, it is a unifying trait. You know, we hate pedophiles, right? There are pedophiles out there who know they have those impulses who don't act on it, right? Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I'm... And they can't say anything. They can't they say can't anything. Even, they can't even seek help because they'll be flagged. Yeah, it, it is a really... Look, I'm, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I don't think anyone listening is really no, I think going to read any kind of condonement into those behaviours. But it is an interesting conceptual argument to say, okay, if we accept that, you know, gay people are born this way, and and that sexuality has a certain uh, innate characteristic that's not a choice, effectively. How do you deal with someone who has pedophilic impulses? Yeah. Um, who morally knows that it's completely wrong is probably terrified of themselves for that is probably can you imagine the i mean god i was in the closet for many years that's a fucking stressful situation that i wouldn't wish on wish on anyone can you imagine what it would be like to be fighting that's that uncontrollable side of yourself yeah for your entire life because it's just there i i don't know i i have a weird amount of sympathy for that no it's not weird at all um louis Thur- louis theroux's done a, a bit on this and it's um it was really eye-opening um uh, he's he went and talked to um uh pe- people who he, he went to talk to both people who have been locked up for Convicted. acting on their impulses yeah. and people that haven't mm. um and it is i, th- I think i think pedophiles um yeah, they do deserve a certain amount of sympathy, especially especially if they don't act on it though. But like it's uh, it, it must there is there is there is a struggle there that um I mean even the way that we're dancing around just you know trying to make it clear obviously it's very clear that we are not we are not supporting but even the way that we are dancing around the fact that you know oh, I'm definitely not saying that of course but that also goes to show how much we are not ready to deal with that as an issue as a, as a society. Yeah. And so to, to bring it back to that church situation, you know, uh, if, if you've got, I mean, there are so many things where you do cross that line beyond, you know, into inexcusable, which is acting on it and then covering it up. You know, those, those are, everyone's on, on the same page with that. So then yep. when you get to an institutional thing like the Catholic Church and you have someone like George Pell who, you know, admits willingly that his predecessor destroyed records and moved priests <laughs> around from parish to parish after they'd yeah. been accused of and presumably believed enough to warrant their removal from a position. You know, the, 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 there's horrifying crimes there. Um, but the the situation of... Like, ha- why Why is this institution in particular the one that's that's had these issues? I mean, if you compare it to, like, uh, Walmart or, like, the biggest, which is the biggest employer in the US, I believe, or <clears throat> Disney, you know, you've got thousands of people all around the world. Uh, you have 
Disney's pass, probably not a, a bad one, really. Um, you've got contact with kids. You've got uh, like a, a a religious affiliation or like connection in the in the public consciousness. Like you have these large entities. Why is it that the Disney company versus the Catholic Church has such a disproportionate, um, you know, seemingly prevalence of of this issue? Well, I think it, I think it's the trust and devotion that people have. Because people devote themselves, Parents and is devotion also surrender their children of, to the church? In a it's way. like a power. They surrender thing. them to God. Yeah, it's a deference. The, the church is so high, and you, you can sorry, you can you can just picture the, the parents. You know, I, I remember my mum, the way that my mum and my dad spoke to priests, with like this like ultimate reverence like i think my, my dad my dad's not reverent to anyone and I, he, he would talk to the jesuit priest at school like yes father and like he put on this thing i remember just being a kid and just being like what are you doing like i've never yeah, seen like, you act like that yeah they're nice guys i never i never spoke i always spoke to them like you know they were just like some old guys that were fun to talk to and they were um but I, I mean, yeah, they just—I uh, just find it funny that um, that they that priests do have this esteem amongst the community that's so old-fashioned. When it's like they—they're walking around with all these like answers that they're just like they—they have like a hotline to God and like, like man, they—but they got just wisdom making in their it pocket. up as well. They're just making this shit up. Like they've read, sure that they're, they're like they've read the theology. That's great. <laughs> it's like they've. It's like if you walk up to someone who's just like a massive Harry Potter nerd, and you're like, yeah. "Oh, so uh, what do you reckon Hermione's <laughs> doing now?" And they say, "Well, yeah. uh, the seventh book says that Hermione and uh, Ron got married, and uh, I think they would they would definitely want their oh child to grow up in a world where muggles <laughs> and wizards got along." That is such a good analogy, though. That is that is exactly what it's like. Because it's it's like you're, just, you're dealing have... with a book nerd. Yes, you are, man. You you absolutely are. They don't know anything that you don't know. They don't know what's happening after we die. They don't know. Stop talking to them as if they do. And and there you it's are, Michael, coming up to them, being like, "Oh yeah, well, I bet you Gandalf would win in a wizard fight." And then they're like, <laughs> "Michael." Gandalf like, is from Lord of the Rings. I'm going, yeah. <laughs> and, and you're like, damn it. And they just have this sort of smug self-satisfaction, like, don't worry. Page 323 will tell you everything you need to know about the polyjuice potion. It's like, God, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and they do do that too, if you only just read the books. Yeah. Maybe you'd realise... That Hermione did date down Gandalf for a week or two. <laughs> yeah. And there's like the, uh, the, 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 the kind of fanaticism over certain texts over others. There, it's like, well, you shouldn't go see the stage play. It's basically like <laughs> yeah. the, the sectarian thing is like, well, Anglicans don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> it's just that there's been a religious schism. Uh, it's just like Comic-Con. It's basically, yeah. 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 <laughs> so where do you fall on Michael Jackson now? What do you? Well, yeah. Are, are you I was now obsessed in a... with him as a kid? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was. I watched that documentary. I watched all four hour, four hours of it the other day. 
it's pretty hard not to believe the guys that are talking. Yeah. There are a few flags, though. There was a Forbes article that um, I shared within my uh, family thing thread the other day. Just there's a couple of... I mean, these, this is not the first time the this guy has tried to bring it up. Um, are you talking about the also, fact that he previously said he hadn't been abused? Well, there was that. He said he test, he's testified on multiple occasions saying that he hasn't. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jackson never touched him. Um, he also, uh, yeah, he, I mean, there was, he's also, he was going for a job. The Michael Jackson estate actually puts on a Cirque du Soleil kind of performance thing. And he's, he's a world-class choreographer, this guy. Mm. So he was a choreographer for NSYNC and Britney Spears and stuff. Um, and he was going for this job with the Michael Jackson estate and they, they didn't give it to him, and he was. I don't know. It's just a couple of things. I mean, look, the the, the you, I only I can only speak to one of those, which was just that I had read follow up about that question of like, had well, he said he hadn't it hadn't happened previously, and yeah. the follow up that I saw was from sex abuse experts who basically said that, well, two factors: men uh, yeah, are particularly reticent to bring it up, um, and to uh, be open about abuse that they felt versus women. Um, and secondly, intellectually, people cannot understand that what they went through was abuse until much yeah. later in their lives. Um, I actually really get that, yeah. So uh, <laughs> it, it could only be looking back on it with some distance or with understanding or with hearing other stories of, you know, that kind of behavior. Can you suddenly look back and go, holy shit, I think that's what happened. Um, yeah. So and it, that's not me really jumping to a side. I haven't seen the documentary, no, no, no. but uh, I did no, see totally that, right. that was the that was also out there. But it's yeah. up to the uh, viewer, I suppose, to make their decision about how they feel. Yeah, I think you should. I think you should watch it. And interestingly, I think it was actually the thing that convinced me the most was how he told his family because um, that uh, yeah that I don't think you can make that that shit up. And there's probably other factors at play but yeah i mean it looks like michael jackson was a very very sick uh man mm. and he probably uh probably expressed himself i don't think that he thought of himself as a predator i wonder if any pedophile actually thinks of themselves as a pedophile or they th- or or a predator in that way or they i think if I they can, thought I, of themselves as a predator that they probably have a be one that's trying to prevent themselves from those impulses. If so you had that self-awareness. What, yeah. I wonder, I can imagine that pedophiles would justify it to themselves as like, I'm engaging in something that's potentially, maybe potentially mutual or I am sharing this love. Is, this or, is love. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's probably, that, that's probably how it's justified. And, I think and the thing I... which has never really been contested, which is, I think if you can just like take that one piece out as well, is that he like slept with boys in his bed, right? Yeah. And that's independent yeah. of whether or not anything happened between them. But like that of itself is kind of one of those things where you're like, okay, that's that's a bit of a weird. That's that's a thing that doesn't really happen. Yeah, I mean, we are dealing with a, a very different person here because he's this is like the most famous guy in the world. Yeah who's been famous since he was basically eight. Yeah. Um, 
But I mean, you, so, if you, like, if you the, hold would, it up I, against like the Beatles or whatever, like when you think of uh, like Beatlemania and like the swinging 60s, you're thinking of like adults and like, you know, promiscuous, constant classic rock star hookups, you know, you, you, it's even in that kind of constant like international fame, it's not like kids come to get to sleepovers with me, you know, it's that that's still different. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I always, I could always like that. That that part never really. I could always like e- explain that in my head, huh. or I always kind of believed that I've been proven wrong. But um, I always kind of believed that, like that, Michael Jackson genuinely just loved. He thought of himself as Peter Pan and just really wanted to spend, you know, just be around kids and have sleepovers. Mm. It's probably you're right. So I was probably rose-colored glasses there, possibly. But yeah, I think you're right that he he was certainly like a a, a kind of damaged man. Like yeah. uh, the uh, the other one, which we haven't really touched on, was R. Kelly, um, who I don't know that much about it. Yeah, I'm I'm not as hugely up on it either. Um, but I believe the accusation was it was sort of statutory rape, more like age of like 14 and 16 year olds also that he locks i think he locked some girls up <laughs> he locked some girls up yeah he locked them up god and like handcuffed them and left them in his basement uh like sex prisoners gosh okay look i'm not going to be able to get through his <laughs> wikipedia article here but I'll, I'll read out the um the headline of section five okay so we've got section one's early life, section two's career, section three's artistry, section four is a records, section five is sex scandals and allegations, which includes five point one illegal marriage, five point two allegations of child pornography and abuse, five point three alleged sex cult, five point four boycott and industry response, five point five allegations of music industry complicity. 5.6, music response to allegations. 5.7, surviving R. Kelly. 5.8, alleged sexual abuse of minors. If you've got nine sections of your Wikipedia page about various uh, yeah. sexual abuse allegations, you're probably not in a good position. No. it's Yeah, it's like, yeah, where there's smoke, there's fire, but that's like already a dumpster fire. Yeah. He uh, he has been charged with ten counts of aggravated aggravated criminal sexual abuse uh, from four sexually abused females, three of whom were teen minors at the time. Um, that Gail King interview, had yeah. Some... <laughs> I mean, again, that's a man who just his publicist must be going, oh fuck. That. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't he dropped in the wake of it? I don't know. He was dropped from what? By his. Label? Oh, his publicist was dropped. Published? Oh, no, not the public. I don't know. But I, like, it, it's, it's certainly at that point where you're like, okay, is this a boat that I'm willing to go down with? Yeah. Um, or should I <laughs> just try and step away and yeah. leave it to the lawyers yeah. to resolve? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you place this in the context of the broader... Uh, I don't want to draw too longer bow here but like the me too movement has probably precipitated some of this focus again on on sexual abuse do you think that's fair yeah definitely i think it's it's, um it seems more within people's um 
the realm of possibility to take down Goliaths, to take down Goliath's celebrity. So I think that's in that way it's opened the doors and and people want people want to take them down rather than I think it almost seems like before maybe that the the public didn't want to know. As in the public would prefer to live in um, like blissful ignorance. They're like, don't, 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 yeah, don't, I don't want, no, I don't, yeah, don't tell me about that. Because they enjoyed the things that those institutions or people provided. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's flipped in the last few years since uh, Me Too. Yeah. I wonder, it's interesting as well because I want, it, it kind of feels like, and again, this might be, this might be un, uh, unverified. Um, I I wonder if this has come about in a way because the the world more broadly and the issues of democracy and, and government and society at large actually seem to have become more inaccessible to the public to have a say over. Whether, if you're looking at Goliaths now, and it used to be the case of like, Oh, political corruption or oh, power broking in Russian money and foreign influence and intercontinental, um, like multinational corporations and things. If they're now the big Goliaths, like if they've sort of superseded on this hierarchy of... Um, who are... Who are? Uh, uh, are you talking about celebrities? Like no. Like mammoth celebrities? No, I'm talking about corporations, government, foreign money democracy at large culture and society as we know and it's crumbling you know issues uh the slip slide to authoritarianism the you know fight against global warming these kind of issues if they've climbed the hierarchy of uh public reach if you like of of the way that the average person can um influence or see accountability for those big ticket issues if that by nature is kind of pushed down the status of individuals and the status of sexual assault and that's now become something that the public feels like they can see action on like whether that's if if it used to be the case where celebrities and those you know level or tier of people were beyond influence were beyond accessible but government was you know more holdable more able to be held accountable and now it's kind of flipped a little bit and and if you're feeling powerless about global warming or government or those kind of issues if now through the nature of social media and our public consciousness we can grab onto those celebrities with issues it's uh it's possible to see them brought to justice you know that yeah, that's that's interesting. That's a that's a deep analysis. I I, 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 I think you're right. I think it has unfounded. everything to do with social media. Uh, I think social media is responsible or facilitated all of this. Hmm. Particularly, I suppose, just to bring it full circle, if that's enabled news of transgressions to quote unquote go viral and to go international, then something like George Pell's guilty verdict or whatever can get out there in a way that previously media might not have been able to facilitate if there was a court order or a quieting it wouldn't have been able to make buzz and it just didn't go yeah you're right shall we uh 
light in the mood with a bit of a seggy. Yeah, man. Hey, do you want to hear something cool? Yes. Play the jingle. Ooh. It's that time. Time for science news. Some new grooves, some news, some just a, a reboot. Science News 2.0. Funky Town. Funky Town. Uh, interesting one this week. Uh, let's talk artificial intelligence and uh, self-driving cars and racism. Did you see anything about this? Uh, no, I don't know what you're referring to. Great. Uh, I saw stuff about racism. <laughs> just generally, just walking down the street. <laughs> um, so, uh, been a little bit of a topic in the past couple of months um, for a few different reasons, but there was a paper um, published by a trio of researchers, Benjamin Wilson, Judy Hoffman, and J.B. Jamie Morgenstern, um, called Predictive Inequity and Object Detection, which is completely uh, impossible to understand. Um, But the effect of their research was to look into the way that self-driving cars that use cameras and artificial intelligence to navigate around the world and to avoid obstacles behaved when faced with people of different skin colour. And basically, they had seen that there was a higher prevalence of these cars hitting black people than there were of white people. And they have, they have a very detailed explanation of, you know, all the various factors that come into it. But the, yeah. the, the reason I bring it up is really to prompt a question about the ways in which we like to think that artificial intelligence is unbiased. It's perfect. It's code. You know, it just, it does everything equally to all people. And yet due to the ways that this um, uh, technology has been programmed by multiple different companies in multiple different implementations, it has inherent biases from the coders and researchers baked into it because it's still humans making this code. And so what they've basically done is tested this uh, recognition system, this spotting a pedestrian and knowing to avoid them with a whole ton of white people and not as many black people. And as such, the computer doesn't spot black people as humans and know to avoid them. Um, So literally the the cars have a racial prejudice. <laughs> Unintentional. So what, 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 what examples are we... Are we talking about, like, if uh, if a car has to swerve and hit... Yeah, so say, say a black by... person steps out into a road in front of this oncoming car. If it was a white person, the cameras would be at a higher likelihood of recognising that as a human being and either stopping or swerving. But a black so are... person doesn't fit that matrix of human characteristics in the same way um, and has statistically had a higher prevalence of accidents 
So, so if have they done one where they've had just a black person and a white person yet, and the car? Has to <laughs> no, they haven't done the trolley problem. Um, I don't think they had any volunteers. Um, but yeah, their, their sort of conclusion has been basically to say, "Hey guys, um, make extra double sure that you're." <laughs> <laughs> not bringing your own biases either through research or financial limitations into your coding. Don't but think I of don't... your AI as perfect or as equal. But I don't even understand how, I mean, I'm in my head, this is just running through like software like yeah. s- simulations, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, they they so tested yeah. it on, on static images. They didn't test it in the real world to see whether or not it hit people. <laughs> Um, so, but uh, that, I mean, that said, the pro- there have that, the that program... said there have been accidents in the real world because there is already this stuff out there. But yes, surely the program recognised if it's a person, it's a person. I don't understand how it could be less of a person because uh, <laughs> because a, a camera doesn't know what a person is, right? Like it, you're you're ascribing a certain degree of object oh, rec- okay. recognition implicitly, right? What a person yeah. is in a machine learning context is we've fed a hundred thousand people, like images of people, into a system and said, "This is a human. This 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 is a rock," right? And that they've learnt from that <laughs> process. Okay, a human, as that word has been artificially defined... I, thought, is, I think I took this course, by the way. You did it, and you, you yeah. got so many rocks wrong. It was embarrassing. <laughs> um, human? No, 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 that, that's a rock. Um, and, and so basically what the, what the... An algorithm doesn't see in 3D space, you know. It's a computer. It's analysing pixel by pixel the colour variances and the shapes that they form in a 2D plane, right? So right. it is looking at a blob which has a white dot at the top and then some sort of like t-shirt in it and then some white arms and some white legs and that moves in this kind of shape and this kind of pattern, right? That's a human tick. And so it is learning through an iterative process, a machine learning process based on the input and the data provided to it by programmers. That's what a human looks like. But if they don't introduce full um, spectrum of human uh, skin colors and appearances early on enough in the AI process, possibly because that makes the results less reliable. You know, if there's too much variance at the start when you're trying to identify a trend, okay. it, it might not be actually as good at spotting that overall, you know? Okay. Um, if, if you were to basically say, if you'd never encountered fruit before and you're trying to teach someone fruit and you just handed them a hundred oranges in a row right they'd have it they'd be able to say yeah fruit that's orange yeah fruit that's orange but if you say okay here's an apple an orange a banana a pineapple a mango papaya a durian berries and everything like that it's a lot harder for a computer to say all of these things fall into this category of fruit right Right? so basically what they've done is is struggle to include different skin colors in that algorithmic process. And as a result, found that their AI uh, is biased towards not noticing black people. And, and, uh, yeah. It, it, does that Very make it any clearer for you? Yeah, yeah. It, do, it does make sense. Because I was initially thinking of it like how surely it's not the actual, it's not, 
it's not the actual um, engineers having their deliberate, their yeah, racial, thinking racial. Yeah. No. They're not being racist in an active way. They are. No. They are. Um, they're bringing implicit bias. The sample size is wrong. Yeah, sample size, but also uh, a lack of self awareness about their prejudices in that way. You know. Yeah. Um, but Which presumably so, so, there are more white people making these programs than black presumably people. um yeah presumably I, I i don't know if that was covered in the demographics of the the study it was more a look at the technology itself but yeah right. if you sort of divorce yourself from the idea that well i can automatically pick out what a human is and you think about it like a computer looking at an image that it doesn't have a brain to really understand it's doing pattern recognition it's easy to sort of see how if you don't feed a varied enough data set there to be able to uh, accurately represent everything that can encounter, you're yeah. going to have some problems. Yeah. But yeah, I just like the idea that, that we've created biased AI, even, even yeah. with our absolute best intention, even trying <laughs> to be abstract and even handed and, and to fair, you know, for many good reasons, <laughs> we still failed. We fucked up and it, we made it, Humanish. <laughs> I mean, we are we are still at the uh, at the very like almost the very start of this coming into our everyday life and everyday technology. So I guess it is encouraging a way that those type of glitches are already being picked up rather yeah. than trialing the the technology and then realizing the hard way once it's in a real world scenario. Yeah, but it's also a thing where like um, you know our cameras. Uh, don't if if like a company doesn't optimize their technology properly, they won't uh, do a light balance against black skin properly. Like if if they haven't tested on black people, the cameras <laughs> just wash out a black person from a frame. Or you have um, people who try and use hand drivers, hand dryers with motion, um, uh, you know, laser triggered um, hand dryers. And black people can't get it to go. Or to, <laughs> is that true? That's a hundred percent true. Like soap wow. dispensers, a white person puts their hand under and they get soap, and a black person puts their hand under and they don't. You can find you can find videos of this online. It's it's wow. both funny and sad, um, <laughs> but it, it's just you know it, it's an interesting glimpse at even if, as you say, this is very early days for AI. We are there are going to be accidents and there are going to be problems continuing even with the best intentions of 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 our staff uh, our staff of, of, of our scientists uh, i don't own any ai researchers um the best intentions of of society and of science going forward there is going to be fuck-ups that are based on human error in the yeah. way that they've created this ai <laughs> yeah they're an extension of us not yeah uh separate to us yeah it's interesting hmm if you've enjoyed this kind of thing, well, then uh, great news. There is so much out there in the world that you could enjoy that's along these lines. You can find it at deepfort.podbean.com. You can find it at facebook.com forward slash deepfort, at twitter.com slash deepfort. And you can send your questions and comments and thoughts and memes to deepfort at gmail.com. Um, and if you're just hanging around in the internet, you've got a spare minute, um, pop over to the old iTunes store. Give us, a, give us a rating and a review. Five stars, please. Nothing less. Otherwise, don't bother. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, I'm going to go for a run. No, you're not. Sam. How far do you run? Oh, okay. Great. Great segue. Great okay. segue. 
Great. Okay. I went for a run today. This is okay. this has been haunting me. Yeah. Okay. Went for a run today. I like to think of myself as a bit of an athlete. And <laughs> headed to the park. Did my usual, you know, uh, route. Uh, oh, you went, you just, did you route at the park? I went for a route in a park. Cool. Um, and just, you know, just my normal Monday morning. Yeah. And um, I, I have a, I like to, as you, you go for a run, you, you tend to find other people around the place, other fellow athletes, you know, just uh, stretching their body, improving themselves. This is this just getting a bit of exercise. Like you went to the park for a run at all. Just, by the way. <laughs> you just bump into fellow, you know, jocks, I suppose. Uh, and I always like to sort of give them a bit of a friendly nod as you run past, like a, <laughs> Hey, you know, just that sort of acknowledgement. Like if you're walking the dog and you pass someone on, you know, going the other direction, you can say, hey, you know, it's just one of those friendly things where it's like, we're yeah, it's on an like, equal, we're doing the same thing. I acknowledge you, you see me, we're two people, we get it, you know, we're It's friends. basically, it's that you're saying that you're not a threat, that's what you're doing. It's not that at all. It's it's like Which a, you didn't need it's to a shared camaraderie. It's like, it's, you know, you and I have something in common. We get it. It's us against the world, bro. Um, We're both here doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and so when you go for a run, it's that same vibe. You, you, you're down the street, someone's coming out the other way, and you give them that look like, hey, you know, yeah, we're both runners. <clears throat> Good luck on, you know, I know what it feels like to do a run. You, I know that it's sometimes hard, but now because of this moment, we feel like there's someone out there who gets it, you know. We're together yeah. in this. You can do it. Keep going. Push on. Higher. Faster. Stronger. Join the U.S. military. The, Is the point of this story to tell me that you just went to a park and just nodded at guys? That's part of it. So I went for a run. <laughs> yeah. And one of my sort of little fantasies is the idea that you go for a run and someone's coming back the other way. And if you're just like feeling it, you just go out for a high five. I've always just thought <laughs> it'd be great if I, you know, see this guy coming up or woman, you know, I'm not being sexist here. Um See him coming up. It's like, yeah, you and I, we get it. We know what's going on. <laughs> Good luck. Keep it up. Ha- hand up in the air. Let's go for a high five. Oh, and it's one of those things so where cool. in the moment you find yourself faltering a little bit like, oh, do I, should I, oh, and before you know it, because you're going so fast, yeah. they're past. <laughs> going so damn fast. They've, they've passed you and you've missed the opportunity. But it's still one of my dreams is to just, you know, stick out a hand and just share that moment <laughs> of like, you've got this. Great job. Yeah. Cut I mean, to this morning. I think you could do it because you don't seem you're not you're in no way a physical threat. You're almost the opposite. Disagree. of Disagree. Could do more push-ups so than you. The only reason that you wouldn't want to do it is because someone would think, "Oh my god, he's attacking me." No, that's is... not that. No, you're clearly you've never done a run because that's obviously not the vibe that people are. People are like, if you went out for a high five friend. while you were running the other way, yeah, I would think you're nope, about to hit me. No, nope, that's not how it works. Everyone, everyone would instinctively know. Yep, this person gets it. We're in this together, and they'd go higher, faster, yeah. stronger. Join the U.S. military. Yeah, the uh, okay, sorry. What was higher, faster, stronger? The um, the, so this morning, right? Running down the street, getting in the groove. I've got it. See a guy coming up in the other direction, red shirt, looking like a fellow jock. And I think, you know what? <laughs> this could be the moment in which we we go for this <laughs> this shared connection of spirit. And as I was thinking this, I looked at him in the eyes. And he sort of gave this like frown of like d- 
disapproval. And I was like, Don't do whatever what? you're about to do. <laughs> what? Why are you looking at me like that? And then I realized... No words have been spoken. This is No just, words are spoken. We're, we're, just we're, from, we're from, from approaching, looks. you know, yep. approaching from different um, directions. Yeah. And I, real, I, I followed his gaze down and I realized that he had already extended his arm out for a low five. No way. He had gone out for the low five. And I was in my head. I was, I was, I was already thinking high five. And so my whole headspace was, was literally you're the, you're at his shoulder hemisphere. level. He, I was up like, in the yeah. Northern Hemisphere. Yeah. And so by the time I saw his face, followed it down his arm to discover this waiting low five, I was past him. Michael, I passed him and I, I, I was too slow to it. All I'd ever wanted, Michael, was it a shared high five with a fellow jock as we ran on our Monday mornings. Can I just say and that I think his, you... his reaction as I, as I shouldered past him without the necessary reaction time to get a hand out and meet him, I left him hanging and he looked gutted. He looked absolutely betrayed. And I tried to picture how I would feel if I'd gone out for a high five and been left hanging. And I knew intimately the sadness that that would have brought. And I couldn't stop thinking about it for the rest of that morning, the rest of that run. I was just depressed. Can I just say, I think that you, you, you shouldn't be too hard on yourself here because in this scenario, who the fuck is going out for a low five? Thank you. Thank you. You, need, you should be going for a high five. You should be all going the time. for a, That's lazy, if I can say so. If you're going to go. It's also weird. It's a bit creepy in a way. It's like, come, in, come down here. I mean, he, he didn't nah. kneel, but he certainly didn't go up. And I would have just always thought, you know, if you're going for that connection, you go up to the classic. No, Low I five. You're in the right there, Nick. Okay. And I don't, yeah. I just, I worried that I wasted my one opportunity for a runner on runner, you know, connection. I think you should keep trying. Okay. Well, because next time I, I go for that. a run, I'll, I'll I'll stick out a high five and I'll see what kind of reaction it gets. Because that if that if you can pull that off, that's a day maker. That and is not a just day for maker. you, for someone for else. Them. Imagine that. Imagine yeah. them going back to their friends and be going, "I just got high five by some random runner." <laughs> <laughs> and I can only really imagine. But I imagine that you run like an absolute twat as well. Like just probably like heaps of limbs. Okay. Now you're back around. into hurtful. Like probably like a lizard, like okay. one of those frilled like lizards <laughs> that go like in the desert. Like, <laughs> I imagine that's exactly how you run. So we make it all the better. I do carry an umbrella behind me well. at all times. <laughs> yeah, it, that yeah, would keep... be a mutual day boost. Is what that would be <laughs> if we both got that five off. That's that is a net positive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, keep your head in the game, Nick. <laughs> <laughs>